anybody there. Hey, how are you, man? Hey, good. I was just, I was just making sure that uh, my timing was right here. No, I, I think your timing was perfectly right. Good. Is it good evening or good morning? Well, uh, let's see. I'm in. We're in northern Germany. How, first of all, how do I sound? Is I feel like I'm. Uh, I feel like I'm peeking out a little bit. Am I okay? I I think you're golden right now. And you got a. Oh, it seems like you a... got a good setup going. So I think you're going to sound great. Yeah, I like actually. I like your setup. I guess I got a similar kind of. This is a. I got a little home studio here. Yeah, yeah. Working. It's kind of a nice little nook to uh to get me to yeah. to kind of scream into the microphone you, sometimes. <laughs> you got the family and all that stuff. You got kids and the wife and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm in the basement so, right so you, now, so it's uh okay. Yeah, yeah. It's six o'clock over here. You know, they're they're just about getting the day start, and I'm like, you know what? Why don't I do interviews in the morning? It's like I'm actually lively, and you know, I haven't spent all my yeah, energy. Yeah doing all kinds of other stuff. So, yeah. uh, I'm really excited. <laughs> oh man. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. Where are you anyway? What part of the world are you in? Uh, so I'm in, I'm in Wyoming. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So West coast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mountain time. Yeah. I was born and raised in, uh, Rhode Island in, uh, right outside of East Providence, Rhode Island. And I, I moved here to Northern, uh, Germany 13 years ago where my where my wife was born and raised, we're in a little village. Really, of about two thousand. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh man, of well, about we better two thousand people. <laughs> we better yeah. get this thing rolling then, because there, there's All a right, lot of yeah, history yeah, let's here. Do that. <laughs> yeah. okay. I feel like it's. Do, do you have a listen to the Mark Maron podcast? Yeah, have you ever listen to his stuff. Yeah, I, yeah, I, love, I love it that. how he just at some point as he's in the garage with whatever guest, he just must push the button, and every <laughs> guest is like, "Wait, are we rolling now?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, we're recording." I love oh, that. Man. Well, I can't wait anyway, to, to get to talk to you a little bit more and learn about uh, your a little bit of your origin, because it seems like there's a fascinating story there. But there, there's so many facets to your writing as well. You're you're a writer, but you're also a musician. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so funny. to I, I'm I'm 49 years old, man. I, I'm still not comfortable calling myself a writer. I'm still not comfortable calling myself an artist. <laughs> it's like, when am I going to? be ready to to officially say yeah man i'm a writer i think but officially uh, yeah. right <laughs> yeah no, that's right uh today's the day yeah writing has been uh it's always been part of my life um always kind of you know one of those guys that always had the notebook and and jotting stuff down usually darker darker thoughts that it, uh when i was younger i probably didn't quite understand you know why i was doing it or or what um what value it had and then as I got older and, you know, in my mid thirties, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, I was, um, thrust into this nightmare of kind of depression, anxiety, panic attack stuff mm -hmm. that, uh, that, you know, threw me for a loop, man. Cause I had until that, until that point in my life had never really dealt with that, um, that stuff. And that's when the writing became much more, um, intentional right mm -hmm. I, I feel like there's that intuitively i was just always writing and and like the idea of of writing and stuff like that but when i um was faced with that that depression uh and in the monster then it was more intentional where i was like oh i have i have stuff that wants to come out you know and and i'm going to sit down and actually take the time to do it and uh that's that that was kind of the even though i had always been i've always music has always been a part of my life the songwriting really all started at at that time 
very much kind of influenced by uh by uh, you know the this fear that um i don't i don't know how much uh you know about all the depression stuff but for me it, it was straight up panic attacks and the fear of having panic attacks that um was driving me cuckoo mm. and uh yeah and that and I, I always kind of thought of it as a kind of a monster chasing you know chasing you um in your brain or whatever however it works and and that was that was kind of the beginning of where where i really was like oh i i want to you know i want to kind of um write more stuff that i'm that i'm trying to make sense of and uh yeah man so uh let, let's kind of backtrack a little bit more because i think it sets the stage for you know your earlier life and uh you mentioned that you were from the east coast right yeah born and raised in rhode island had a had kind of a storybook very solid uh healthy upbringing where i was on a like my, my parents built a house uh on a big 50 acre farm a gentleman's farm for lack of a better terms of my grandfather and we had this real idyllic um kind of childhood whereas my brother and i and uh we were around my grandparents and we had the animals and um you know on all the toys that that boys love to have motorcycles and three-wheelers and all that kind of stuff <laughs> and uh yeah really really wonderful and then when i was 12 um 12 and a half uh in december of 87 um i was complaining i had been complaining to my family about my uh the lack of kind of uh blood circulation in my left foot so almost like pins and needles type thing you know and um and my knee kind of bothered me and you know i was a typical 12 year old boy so kind of always running around and and at some point my dad was finally like okay let's pop into the um walk-in cl clinic in east providence and uh the doctor took a look and said oh, let's get an x-ray and he walked into walked back into the room and and i was only 12 but i knew by the energy in the room uh something wasn't right and he he was he quickly knew that um he sent us that he said you know we're, we're going to send you over to a the bigger hospital in, in rhode island and in providence and something's going on in your knee and uh they knew immediately it was a, a cancer a completely kind of engulfed in my femur bone and my knee and um that was what was causing the the lack of blood circulation and uh yeah man from there it went from i went from being a super healthy normal dude to uh two years of just you know essentially thinking i i mean i didn't realize how how close to death i was because i was a, a strange kind of one of those kids that just didn't you know didn't really realize the 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 weight of what i was going through for me it was just life but um yeah i had they found it they they tried to save my leg for two years ultimately they amputated my leg to the middle of my thigh and uh had uh tumors in both my lungs and um had chemotherapy for a year and a half and uh yeah so crazy you know my cr much in retrospect now that i have four kids much heavier and much more um kind of emotional journey for my family than it was for me Mm. which I know people kind of struggle to understand that but you know I, I was a 12 year old boy I didn't know I I wasn't one of those people that was asking like am I gonna die I I just kind of was like oh more uh, another surgery okay uh, oh more chemotherapy all right whatever and uh I kind of 
just went along with it and ultimately um, was lucky to very, very, very lucky to uh, have come out the other end because, you know, the, the chances of my survival were at, at, at some point about 0%. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, yeah, crazy. And, uh, and I also, I, I had, you know, in, in retrospect, had a bunch of kids that I was going through the same cancer with, it's called osteogenic sarcoma, who, who were dying around me. And again, I, for me, it was just like, oh, okay, well, well, you know, got to get through some more stuff. And, and, um, ultimately I did, uh, you know, at about, uh, I guess it would have been in ninth grade, they finally amputated the leg. So, um, and that was for me also kind of fascinating in retrospect as an adult, you know, 99% of people that you meet that are amputees, you know, it's, a, it would be a, the most tragic, you know, thing that happened to them. And for me, it was actually almost a win because I was this really sick boy with, I had my leg, but it was completely infected and no longer working and just, a, just a total nightmare. And I wanted it gone. I wanted to move forward with my life. Even at 14, I, I knew that I wanted to just start life. So um, when finally the doctors were like, well, you know, we can't save the leg. Let's, we're going to chop it off. I was like, all right, let's go. You know, so, so it, again, everything for me, I, I look back and I think it was, it was all positive, which sounds crazy, but they, they amputated the leg and the next day, because the, the, the staph infection was keeping me from going through puberty, it was, it was keeping me from kind of living. The next day I was like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. I'm back. Like, you know, I had my energy back and I started gaining weight and my body went into puberty. And, and then, um, yeah, and from there, I never looked back, man, you know, very quickly learned how to walk with, uh, with prosthetics, which in that, at that, in that late eighties was right when, um, everything was transitioning with, with, uh, technology to more, um, you know, more plastics. And, and, uh, so I, I kind of, um, for me, it was, you know, I had a very wonderful high school times. I was healthy. I was, you know, normal dude really was big on not talking, not wanting to even recognize the fact that I was a handicapped guy, which mm -hmm. is, which is kind of funny, you know, like for me, I was just a regular guy, but I definitely was not a regular guy. I, I had limitations. I had, I was living with a handicap. Lord knows I did not talk about it and I just wanted to be a regular dude. And, um, yeah. And I, I, again, had a real nice, you know, real nice childhood up until that time caused all kinds of, uh, you know, years for my parents that they just shut their lives down. My dad, you know, basically stopped working. He, he has a family business and, uh, and we lived in Boston for two years while I was going through this, this thing. Wow. And then, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, right? For me, it sounds so normal, but I know when I tell the story, people are like, "Oh my God, that must have been terrible." Yeah, and I and I have to say, uh, I it's really admirable the way that you have been able to whether it was just by the timing of the time period of when this stuff happened to you, or maybe just your personality. That I, I think there's something extremely special about your ability to overcome that kind of intense uh situation and come out on the other side feeling like there's just kind of a renewed sense of of it seems like purpose and joy and and all kinds of things um what was it like for your family at the time like coming over the the other side of that yeah well it, it wasn't just family it was 
I remember it. First of all, I agree with what you're saying. I think it was both what you said. I think the timing was I was at that age where I, I was still under my parents kind of like what they, whatever they said I should do, I did. I was only 12. I was not an adult yet, you know, and I was a young 12. I was an immature 12. And, uh, and I also was always kind of, for lack of a better term, a bit of a free spirit. So, you know, I was just one of those kids that was, I think I did see, even as a child, uh, you know, nature versus nurture, uh, saw the cup half full. So I, I think it was, the, it was luck of a lot of things. And I remember in college, my best friend growing up, uh, he wrote, he, he was going to school for, uh, he went to UMass to be a teacher and he wrote like a, he had an assignment to write a children's book and he wrote this children's book and illustrated about me. Oh, wow. And, and it was, it was, yeah, it was really sweet. So he's like, oh, I got to show it to you. You know, I, I did this project. I got an A and blah, blah. And at, in the book, he's like, um, you know, he talks about me losing my hair and all, all the steps that we went through because he was a big part of it, you know? And he was like, and we all thought he was going to die. And I remember reading that page and I was like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> what do you mean you thought I was going to die? And he's like, oh, well, everyone just assumed you were not going to live. And I, I remember I was eight. Yeah, I must have been 18 or 19, maybe. And I was like, really? Like, that's how naive I was. I was like, really? You guys thought I was going to die? And that's when I started speaking to my my family about like, oh, it, it was really bad. I huh, got like we dealt with it in such odd ways, uh, I think in retrospect and another story kind of, uh, that, that speaks to that is I remember I was, I must've been in high school at this point. I was real close with my grandmother and I had learned about the depression in, in high school, the great depression. So I went to my grandma and I was like, um, I called the nanny. I was like, nanny, what, what was like, you know, did you go through that? Do you remember when there was like, you know, food shortages or, or, you know, those type of questions that, yeah. that I, and, and, and she was remembering some of the stuff as a kid and, and blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, I said, what's the worst thing that ever happened to you in your life? And she was like, hmm, well, I guess you, and I'm like, uh, and I, and I was kind of like laughing. I'm like, uh, no, really. And she's like, no, what, you know, you getting sick was probably the worst thing that ever happened to me in the family. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, mm. I couldn't believe that again, how much I had affected them. Cause to me, it, it just wasn't that bad, you know? So I'm, I'm just, again, it's funny in retrospect that from 12 to this age of 18, 19, I was so naive and so kind of like, uh, -huh, that's just how my life was. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's luck. I think it's luck when people ask, how did you do it? It's like, I, I think I was just a dumb kid, you know, not, not intelligence dumb, but just like a dumb, you know, naive kid who was like, everything will work out, which that, that has actually been a part of my life until now of 49 and has gotten me in trouble that, that ultimately that, uh, there's an optimism kind of, there. Yeah. That, that, uh, there's an optimism that sooner or later it catches up with you because like uh, when you try, when you try and make a living and have a career and your general personality is like, yeah, everything will work <laughs> out. Like that's not exactly the, uh, you, you don't want that on the top of your resume. Yeah. Ultimately I, I ran into some, you know, in, in, in my thirties when I was trying to make a living and, and I was working with the family business, that lack of, ability to kind of um be more serious that you're you need to be as an adult i mean at some point you kind of gotta 
you know, when I, when I got married and started having kids and got a real job and bought a house, you kind of got to be serious. You got to pay your bills. And I, and I was not really able to do that. It, if I'm honest with myself, um, and it took me a long time when, after having this falling out with family members, if I'm more honest with myself, that is a bit of a flaw, you know, and I, I don't, I don't want to be too hard on myself because it really is who I am. But, um, ultimately a lot of times I can be almost too silly. Maybe, maybe that's the artist in me where I, I it's hard for me to take anything serious. Also mm. could be that when you're faced with death at 12, you know, even though it, it could have been kind of not so, um, maybe it was subconscious perhaps, if you're faced with that kind of stuff and, and that need to get through things, you know, maybe that was a defense mechanism like you had mentioned before. So, um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I'm still like that, man. I, I'm still, <laughs> I listen, I listen to the universe, whatever the universe tells me to do. I kind of, I'm like, Oh, I guess that's what I got to do. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it is definitely a personality type. No, that's, that's wonderful. And I imagine that, you know, any experience like that just liberates you in a different way that, that very few people can understand. So I think maybe intuitively, or maybe you've internalized something from that age and, and it's sort of amplified some of those things uh, from an earlier age. But I was going to ask you about family because it's becoming a parent is, is such a huge aspect of our lives. And you're going along this journey and, and now you have this new chapter of your life. How do you make it work or how does the rest of you, which is, you know, the, the music, the, the writing, how does that make its way into fitting into your life as a, as a parent, which I imagine is, is a priority for you now? Yeah. 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 I worked, uh, so I come from a family with money. So I come from a family that has a, a uh, my great grandfather, my grandfather, my father, and now my brother have a big family business in, uh, based out of Rhode Island, but it's a, a national business. And, um, so when I got married, uh, and had started having kids, I went to work just like I thought, you know, men are supposed to do, you mm -hmm. know, at least in my family, um, went to work and was working long hours and all that stuff. Uh, that would have been in my late twenties. And I, very, very much knew that I needed, I needed to using these words that ultimately got me, you know, caused me emotional turmoil that I needed to put my artist behind. I needed to put my guitar away. I needed to, you know, be more serious. Right. That's, mm -hmm. that was kind sure. of the, this, the phase I thought I was at. And, and my wife and I, because my, we were a little bit older, we wanted to have a bunch of kids. We had three kids in 36 months. Mm which is a very cool idea in theory right yeah but uh in actuality it's not that oh, much man. fun so so the stress level in the household was at an you know all-time high um i was working every day of the week for the family enjoying myself at work but working nonetheless long hours and then that responsibility uh, which i mentioned before of, of paying bills and having a mortgage and all this kind of stuff and, uh, and parenting was, I'm, I'm kind of a loving dude by nature. So parenting, parenting became so such an incredible, this, this incredible joy, even though it was stressful between my wife and I in the household, it was so beautiful, but it was definitely overshadowed by 
this darkness that was coming on. It was, you know, in my, in my mid mid thirties, when I, I started just literally losing, you know, losing touch with reality, just having struggling to understand what was going on in my life. And, and, um, which again, uh, recently a friend of, of someone in our family, uh, is going through these hard times of depression and my 20 year old daughter was like, I can't, I can't even, it doesn't even make sense. Like, I can't imagine being sad and just like being depressed. And I'm like, no, you, if you haven't gone through depression, you couldn't and you can't understand it because it's, it's, it's so, it's so illogical, right? That when your brain stops work or your mind, whatever, however you want to look at it, stops working, uh, the way we expect it to work. If you haven't experienced that, then no, you, you know, I, I said to my daughter, I'm like, luckily you can't imagine it. Um, unfortunately I, I went through it and, and because it got so, I was so close to not being able to no longer kind of live. I, I don't know that I was suicidal, but I just didn't want to keep living the way we were living. So my wife and I made this tremendous change of, we packed up our house, you know, in a container, shipped it to Germany, literally no plan, no, you know, no way to live. We just moved to Germany because that's how that's how dark a place I was in. And, and my wife knew it. And, you know, she was like, do you want to go to Germany? I'm like, let's go, let's go make a change. We'll, we'll figure it out when we get there. So me and my wife and my six, five and three year old. Wow. Um, yeah, we moved to this little village where I don't speak any German, you know, I do now, but <laughs> at the time I didn't, and we moved into the, this is a great story, man. We moved into the household of my mother-in-law who had a, 95-year-old mother living there, her 95-year-old mother, so the grandmother of my, of my wife, my mother-in-law, the son and his wife and his three kids, <laughs> and then we moved in there. So there was four generations living in this household, and they just let, they were just like, come on in, we'll find, we'll find mm -hmm. beds for your kids, you guys stay on the couch. And, um, I was really struggling at the time, uh, and they knew it cause I was, you know, I was not, uh, socially, I just wasn't in a good place trying to figure it out. But my wife went back to work. We found a place to live. She, she quickly went to work here. She has a master's degree in psychology and, uh, and I stayed home raising the kids, you know, and as a guy from a, f of a family business that the you know, the men work mm -hmm. and, and the women stay home. Um, I all of a sudden became the, the kind of stay at home dad and man, it was the great, it was the greatest experience I could have ever dreamed of. I don't know that I ever thought I'd have that experience, but to be the, to, to have to be the guy that is uh, taking, taking all the responsibilities of the kids and the schooling in a language that I, I couldn't even speak German at the time, but I, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid. So I was trying to figure it out. And then we had another kid. We, mm. my, my wife got pregnant. We had a baby. So for the last 13 years, not only have I been a stay at home father for 13 years, but I, I also introduced music and, and, you know, writing back into my life. It was kind of a slow process, but, um, it's been, uh, as a guy, and I hate, I, I hate to say that because it sounds sexist, but all I can say is from, from my world, I assumed that I'd be the one that, you know, makes a living and my wife would stay home and take care of the kids. 
but to take on that role was was something that I feel so blessed to to have taken and um and given you know whatever I lack in in parenting skills which I'm sure is my wife would argue are many because I am definitely not a disciplinarian uh, you know <laughs> I'm uh I I definitely give a lot of love to my kids but they've done so wonderfully that you know they're they're four incredibly well adjusted kids and um I'm so damn proud of them. Three of them are on volleyball scholarships in the United States. They're, we're, oh, wow. we're a volleyball family. Eh, isn't that crazy? <laughs> so they're all in the States now studying, and uh, I got a 12-year-old still at home. But throughout that time, music, uh, you know, music was always, I always had a guitar in my hands. I, I found this community of wonderful musicians that kind of took me in as, um, I think, uh, in any foreign country, and certain here, certainly here in Germany, an American singer uh songwriter is always kind of um a uh you know there's always a want for a a a real you know american guy who sing i I like to sing blues and rock music so i quickly found a place and um and the writing very organically you know never forced it i i wasn't i wasn't stressing about trying to you know make it as a musician at that point in my life i wasn't trying to make it as an author I just kind of always had a pen, a, a pencil, and a notebook around, and things started happening. And um, it's been amazing, man. I, in fact, it, it it's kind of cool that we're talking today. My second album dropped on Spotify and all the streaming platforms today, August first. Uh, uh, an album that I'm very proud of that I made in Chicago last year. Mm. But the writing, the the writing, and the the artistic part of my life is as has been as important to me as as anything possibly could with with regards to keeping my mental health uh, in check you know i i there's such for me it's so directly related of in order for me to stay healthy in order for me to to continuously understand how my mind does or doesn't work uh it, it's direct it directly kind of correlates with writing and getting those that stuff out that you know i don't i don't know that it's poison because it's you know darkness is part of us you know like those dark thoughts that, that it's all part of my the way my brain works anyway but um getting those things out for me is i guess that's my therapy you know i don't talk to a therapist but my therapist is sitting down here in my little cave much like you're doing there and and uh and yeah and kind of working things out as best i can right yeah and there's so many things that i want to ask you about parenting as well as as the creative process and we're going to get to that in just a moment but i want to i want to like be in in communion here with you because i totally get what you're talking about in terms of how you feel like you have to set things aside for good uh, I think there's a moment when you become a parent or, or something snaps up there in, in your mind that forces you to say, I'm not going to I'm not going to be a kid anymore. And if I go back to the arts or, or something like that, I'm, I'm somehow a lesser parent. And I think there's a lot of things that I'm projecting here in this situation. So uh, forgive me if that's what's happening. But it's like when I first had uh, my, my first son with my wife, I had this feeling like my time as a creative person needed to stop forever. And, uh, and so like you mentioning that and sharing that just completely, I totally empathize with you on that. But 
I love that there is a way that you've been able to merge it with your emotional needs. And I do believe that it's the best medicine that we have is, is I recall being the most miserable I've ever been. Not because, not because I was a, a new father, not because, you know, like things weren't going well, you know, financially or emotionally or whatever, but it was because I wasn't expressing myself. And for some of us, that's really like the, the primary thing, you know, the, the thing. Well, yeah. It, yeah and, and all, and this, this bizarre feeling, I, I'm trying to, trying to make sense of what you're saying is that weird feeling of feeling guilty. I think when, at least now with the, this modern parenting, I, I know things were different in past generations, but now you're supposed to be all in, man. You know, mm -hmm. you're supposed to be like helicopter parenting is normal now, right? <laughs> so if, if you're, if you're taking time away from your kids by doing anything other than, you know, spending every second with them, I, I think that guilt is, that also is like, this is all new and you know, everyone's different, right? I, I always say that when, when I try and explain to non musicians or non art artistic people about this process that you're kind of talking about and that I've struggled with, you know, the slashes and you know, the, the musicians that we know, they were born to be artists. Like they're 18 and they're already writing hit songs and they're traveling the world and they're on stage. Right. That, that was their path, man. Like that's what they were born to, to do. And they didn't question it. Perhaps guys like you and I, you know, who it doesn't make us any less artists than them, which is something I mm -hmm. struggle with, uh, even, even kind of consider myself an artist. It's just, it wasn't as clear to me, man. You know, I, I didn't, I'm 49 now. And now just now I feel like I'm starting to find my, like now I'm trying to figure it out, you know? wrote a book that I'm super proud of. It, it's, I'm, I'm not Shakespeare, but I did it. Right. So I'm super proud that I, I got a book done and I have a bunch of songs that I'm, that I want to put out into the world. And I actually think the, the process, this, the fact that it's, I'm allowing it to be more organic and, and allowing it to kind of unfold has allowed me to enjoy it more. I, I think in the, there's been times what what you and I are talking about, like for instance, when I when I finished writing the book, I'm like, okay, now I gotta find a I gotta find a publisher, and then I gotta sell the book, and I gotta you know, and 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 that that kind of so now I, I start creating this um, stress and this the, you know this anxiety around this beautiful project that I just did, which is like ruining the you know. So I think as I get older and start to make sense of this crazy life that we all have. It's like, yeah, man, it's all supposed to be good. You know, that, that, that saying that enjoy the journey. It's so the reason it's such a, you know, it's such an important statement is it's so true, man. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like this process of, of trying to figure out how to, you know, sp sitting here talking to you about how the hell this all works. This is important as important as finding a publisher for my book, right? Like, because I'm getting value out of this. I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. And when, when you and I are done talking, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, I, I think I learned some stuff like <laughs> shit. That's, that's cool, man. If I can learn stuff every day, I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah. So let's talk about songs for Ivy, which uh, is your latest book here. 
Can you tell me a little bit about the the origin story there and uh, and how this book came to be? Yeah. Well, always been a big reader, so reading's always been a part of my life. Before Kindle, and now I'm a Kindle guy, but before that, you know, my wife and my family were always buying me books, you know, hard copy books, and uh, I'll read anything. So one cool thing in here in Germany is our our kind of um, big uh, grocery chain. It's called Edeka. And uh, they have one, you know, they're huge. It's typical supermarket. And at every one of these, they have like a, what it was like, leave one, take one type book area. You know, you oh, know what yeah, I mean? Like, like you a, can drop off books. Yeah. Like a community it's, library. It's very thing. cool. Yeah, yeah. A little corner. And every single time I go shopping, which is twice a week for my family for the last 13 years, I swing by and usually there's one or two English books there. And it doesn't matter what it is. I grab them and I read them, which is very cool because it's all over the map. It's, you know, it's completely random. And then also my, my family would always send me books. So, uh, the Christmas of 2016, my daughters were at that age where they were also reading, um, a lot of young adult stuff, uh, you know, YA books. So they got a bunch of things and I, and as I'm sitting there after Christmas, after we opened our gifts, I was reading through the, the back of their books. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's a good idea. That's interesting. And I, and I it literally popped into my mind. I was really into, that was really the, the, the beginning years of, of, for me of songwriting, um, where I was really focused on it. And I was like, oh, I, I think I'm, I think I'm going to try and write a book. Like I could do that. You know, I'm, I'm raising my daughters. I'm, I'm. I'm watching them. They would have been at this time 15 ish. So having boyfriends, all the, you know, all the stuff. And because I was spending so much time with them in the car, bringing them to volleyball practice and, and I was the primary parent and, and very kind of, uh, very present, right. Very present in the moment we, 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 we weren't big on technology. So they were, we were talking and laughing and, and constantly communicating. So I was very involved, right. And uh, I was like, I think I can write a book. Like, I'm going to try it, you know? So that would have been January of 2017. I, uh, I just sat down, much like I do uh, with, with songwriting, very much waiting for inspiration. Not, you know, no plan, no, you know, and I know there's different ways to approach writing books. Um, but for me, there was no, um, you know, I, I didn't do any outlines. I just sat down with my computer and I was like, all right, let's see what, how, and, uh, and just let it, let it flow every single day for 18 months. Wow. And I had my computer on me all the time. And if I had a 10 minute break between wherever I was, my computer came out and I would write and, uh, no plan, no plan on how many stories we're going to, you know, how many characters, the way the book, uh, this particular book ended up is the main character was, is a 16 year old girl, volleyball player and kind of her, uh, her journey in this time, uh, frame of life where I was watching my daughters go through. And, uh, and then the, the kind of secondary character is a, a 16 year old boy who, um, went through the same cancer as I did. Uh, and was, but, but didn't survive. So knew he was, he was terminal and left a, um, and started writing a journal to leave to his then younger sister, Ivy, uh, for when she died and, uh, when he died from the cancer. And, um, 
and he left it to her for her 16th birthday. So that was mm-hmm. kind of the main character, and that's how uh, she within this this the whole book she's reading chapters of the and getting to know him, getting to know her family, and it's helping her make sense of her relationships with her family. And then from there, and within the book, there's uh, I guess four or three or four other kind of storylines that are interwoven. And, um, but again, much like the songs, I really let it flow, man. I, I, you know, it was, the characters are based on the people that impressed upon me the most in my life. You know, I, it wasn't planned. It was the, most of them on the darker side. I, 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 uh, I tend to, for some reason, the people that affected me most or, or maybe had the most impact a lot of times were people that were facing drug addiction or facing, you know, stuff that, that maybe, maybe that's the reality is, is when we do have those, um, you know, those demons and we have to face them, maybe that's the only way we can really learn, truly learn, you know, it, it's 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 kind of easy to learn when everything's rosy right like yeah. if, if life is perfect then yeah i guess it's fairly easy to learn but maybe maybe not you know maybe you can only uh, kind of feel it feel it and learn it when things are dark so um the book t- the book has some darkness in it you know it, it it deals with some issues like suicide and and drug addiction and all that kind of stuff but ultimately um it's uh it's a book about you know human humans and flaws and and um it was awesome it made me nuts to to, (laughs) you know to 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 um from a time frame standpoint without even thinking about it to constantly trying to stay in that in that for i don't know what else to call it but to try and get into that flow where you're just letting stuff out uh without trying to think about it too much that was exhausting and i and i exhausted myself doing it you know i was getting up early in the morning um and and trying to you know get a few hours in before the kids got up and but um yeah it took me 18 months um got uh got ended up at about 130,000 words um i then threw some money at it and worked with a wonderful uh editor that she's based out of Israel. She uh, she helped me tremendously, man. She she helped me understand how to um, truly edit from a kind of a high level, and she helped me get the book down to about uh, I think it ended up at around eighty five thousand words, which is pretty amazing. She would just be like, "You already this chapter is gone. You already just, <laughs> you already talked about you know you already said this. You already told the reader this." So she she was really wonderful. Um, I trusted the hell out of her. And, um, yeah, the book got finished. It, it took, I let it simmer for, a, for about a year, which I think, um, I, I know for me, letting things simmer is super important. I, I find that, um, I find that when, if I, uh, you know, if I write a song, uh, it always seems to want to sit for a little bit and, and kind of breathe. And then when I go back to it, I'm like, okay, now now it makes more sense and, and then it can kind of find itself. So I let the book breathe again. I, I, I tend to use the word organic, but, um, when it was, when it wanted to be ready, it, it 
came alive and, and uh, worked with another editor in Rhode Island to kind of tighten up the, I don't know, what would you call that? You, the, the, the real, the word editing part, you know, the woman from Israel really helped me edit the story. And then the, the, uh, the person from Rhode Island helped me kind of truly edit the book grammar wise and all like that. Like line stuff, editing, you know? right? Or yeah, line yeah. editing. Exactly. So, um, yeah. And then, uh, ultimately I, you know, I don't know much about marketing. I did. I never really tried to find a publisher. I, you know, published it myself, put it out on, uh, in, on Amazon and, and, uh, you know, with the friends and family that have read it, uh, it means the world to me when they tell me they like the book and what, you know, what more is there? That's, that's, uh, that's all I need, you know, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, I gotta applaud you for that. I mean, it's, it's not easy to get over the line on, on that big of a project. I mean, I can imagine that that was a huge leap going from mostly writing songs and, and writing in what I imagine is collaboration when you're doing a lot of music projects, you know, everyone has kind of a, a bit of a, a an input there, but being on the other side of it, when you finish your manuscript, what was that feeling like? Can you put me in that moment when, when you realized that you had something there and emotionally, because of the, the nature of what you're talking about, even though it's not your life, it kind of is. And, and there's a lot of things that are, that are being lifted from your own experience. What was that feeling of, of relief or release as we had been talking about? Like, yeah, uh, beyond, I mean, I, I have struggled all, all my adult life with, um, the, the, the emotion that I struggle with is shame. And I don't know why, I, you know, I, I, I can't make sense of why I feel this shame of not being good enough, not being talented enough, not making enough money, you know? So maybe that's what we all, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's what we all struggle with, but I know for me, it was the shame of, of not, um, being, having success whatever the hell that means. Right. I mean, I, I don't even know if that makes sense when I say it, cause I have four wonderful kids. I have a, a, a been with my wife for 30 plus years. I'm a happy dude, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, I am successful, but, but this, this emotion to this day that I deal with is, is this feeling of being ashamed that I haven't done anything. So those moments of, um, the day the book arrived, you know, from in its packaging. And, and, and when I look back at how many people helped me move it along, cause you know, yes, I, I did write the first 130,000 words alone yet hundred percent. And I'm super proud of it. But from there between the editor and, and even my mom, like my mom was like, you have to put the book out now. It's been, you know, you, you gotta <laughs> do. So even she would like push me to, to kind of, you know, once it was done, and, and the same thing with this album that dropped today, it's like, there's, there is a feeling of man, like, like, you know, yeah, I, I did it. I did. It doesn't make a difference if it's an amazing product and it doesn't make a difference if it's, uh, you know, going to sell a hundred thousand. It's for me, it's cool when I start something and I finish it, mm -hmm. it, it just gives me a moment of clarity to say, dude, you're okay, man. It's all, you know, yeah. you're not a piece of shit. You're not a <laughs> failure. You're all right, man. You know, so yeah. the book was a big one. And, and, um, and I am, I am very proud of the, the, um, 
you know, many of the stories are things that I dug into, like you were saying, is, you know, uh, things I had probably hadn't thought about maybe ever. Maybe I had never gone back to think about the stuff that I experienced, the sounds, the, the things the doctor said or the nurses said when I was actually in the hospital or, um, and I really dug into that stuff. So, which wasn't always easy, but it was always good. You know, there was always times when I know there's, um, this is a, this is a very specific memory and I don't know that I even remembered it, but after they amputated my leg. So uh, I have only about uh, 20 centimeters of femur bone on my leg, right? Mm -hmm. So on my left leg, on my thigh. So, um, so the day they, when, after they amputated my leg, they wrapped it with a, uh, cast like so to keep the swelling down they wrap it really tight like a, so for the first let's say week or, or five days anyway let's say it had this tight cast on and i woke up and I, you know i was eating and all, it, it wasn't not so much pain so my doctor his name is dr mark gebhardt he took the cast off just he and i we were just he and i in a room no no nurses or anything and he took the cast off and he undid the bandage. And so the first time I saw my stump, like, you know, I'm, I'm a 14 and a half year old kid. And I'm like, ah, okay. all right. And he's like, it, you know, it, it looks good, Carlos. It looks good. And I'm like, I, I don't know that it looks good. Like it, there was even for me, there was some levity there where I'm like, I kind of disagree, but okay. Like, you know, <laughs> it's kind of gross. And, it, you know, so, um, and I, I don't know that I remembered that moment you know, when I was trying to find these, these things to write about for this, this, you know, this character, those things came out. And, and in, in that same, that same day after he was done, mm -hmm. kind of making sure that everything looked right, he had to then roll on like this, like, a what do you call those socks that compression socks, you know what a compression sock is for if you go in the airplane or something, he had to roll this compression sock over my stump to to keep the swelling down. So he was like, I didn't know what he was going to do. He's like, Hey, this is going to hurt. You know? So, mm. so you, you got to be ready for this. And I'm like, all right. And he rolled this thing on and I just remember seeing stars. Cause I was like, Holy, you know, wow. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, 14 and a half, like, you know, it's, it's the, again, I, I think that happened. So that experience, I had that experience and I'm not sure I ever talked about it again. I don't know that I even probably shared it with my parents. Like it's, it happened and then i was like all right well that that that's over and now but i did take the time to dig into those things a lot of that stuff kind of dealing with you know what phantom pain is have you ever kind of yeah, read I've about yeah i've heard of that yeah yeah conceptually the idea of if you lose a limb or you still have feeling there right from a nerve standpoint um and i did a, a lot of kind of um under trying to understand because Phantom Pain's been part of my life for 30 plus years, right? Wow. I had never, I had never even thought about it. So I, you know, about, about three times, maybe twice a month, I'll, I'll have a few hours of where it feels like there's a pin or a nail going through the bottom of my foot or, or maybe there's a, or like a nail going through my chin. Like it's very, it's very bizarre, really? right? Cause, cause it's not logical, right? I have no, I have no foot, but the brain after 30 plus years is still telling it's still sending signals down there it recognizes something's wrong or something's not normal and it decides to send pain 
signals to the brain, right? So mm. It makes no sense. So I remember um, I was working in this, uh, in, in, in Germany, there's this company called Otto Bach, which is a huge uh, prosthetic company. And I was working as a demo patient. It, it, it's a, it doesn't matter, but I, I, there was this 82-year-old gentleman, Evin, really nice German guy. He had lost his leg when he was a teenager. So it'd been 60 plus years. Hmm. And he and I were talking in, in my bad German and, and we're talking and he kind of flinched. And I was like, what's up, man? In German, you know, and he's like, oh, I'm just having phantom pain. And I was like, you're telling me after 60 years, <laughs> you're still having, well, meanwhile, it's been 30 for me. So I don't know why it struck me as so ridiculous, but I was hmm. like, after 60 years, you're still getting, he's like, yeah, I still get him. And, and that, that, that like totally weighed upon me. I was like, that's crazy. So then I started, tr I started trying to make sense of how, how illogical this, this, so this pain that I'm feeling from a leg that hasn't been there for 30 years. But if we think about it, it's not that different. If you right now think of you, um, you've had your heart broken before, I'm sure. Mm. Right. Like in high school, mm. I know I did. So if I think of that, the girl that broke my heart in high school, I can get a physical reaction from that memory. So I can get kind of like, you know, like flush with kind of maybe anger or, or I don't know what emotion it would be, but <laughs> that that's as illogical as phantom pain, right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it that happened 30 years ago, 40 years ago that I had my heart broken. So why would I still have a physical reaction to that memory? that's no different than my brain telling me, Hey, 30 years ago, they chopped your leg off, but I'm just letting you know, it still hurts. So <laughs> those are the type of things that by forcing that, not for, by putting myself in, in that flow of saying, Hey, let's try and find stuff that that's in there. I think that's the value of trying, uh, let's see, that's the value of, as an artist of, of trying to, to create, right? Those are those things that, I just wouldn't have taken the time to process those memories or, or even look for them. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that, that for me was, those were all learnings, right? For me yeah. as, as an artist to be like, oh, that's pretty cool, man. You know, that, that's not something I would have uh, thought of had I not forced myself to try and find things to write about. And, you know, that's the beauty of, that, that's why I think everyone should try and write a book, man. It's like, Try it, you know, see what happens, man. I, I always say that to my buddies when they're like, oh, how do you write songs? I'm like, do it, dude. Try it, man. It's, figure it out, yeah. It's, it's, see what happens. And they're always like, no, my my lyrics sound cheesy if I do that. I was like, dude, my all lyrics sound cheesy. You just got to believe them. If you sell them, man. Oh, man. Yeah, but yeah, the, so, write, the writing process is beautiful. I, I love it. I mean, you're, you're a writer as well. Yeah. You're uh, a playwright? Or? Playwright, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I started... Uh, writing plays and all kinds of stuff when I was a kid, but yeah, uh, it's always been mostly plays because I, I can't get away from them. Like there's no way like it. That's your world. That's yeah. The world yeah. But this has been phenomenal, Carlos. I got one more question for you here and um, I'm, I'm curious what's on the horizon for you in terms of now you got this project taken care of and, and you got music still in your life. Uh, what's the next uh, thing on the agenda? Um. <clears throat> The next thing will be another, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all in with making another album the, the, this, this album that I just made, it's called find your way. Uh, the, the artist name that I play under is CK Baker band. Um, 
the album. It's the first album I made with a real producer. So I, I moved last year. I moved to Chicago uh, for six months and worked with this uh, wonderful, wonderful producer named Brian Deck. He's a uh, he's a real guy. He's a real name. He's he's worked with. Um, I don't know if you know Iron Sam Beams, Iron and Wine. It's kind of yeah. Americana music. Yeah. He's he did a bunch of his albums and uh, Counting Crows and. And he took me on, which was, you know, I feel so lucky that he took me on as a, as an artist. And I had a blast, man. Time of my life. Uh, we made a nine song album and, um, I got the bug, you know, working with the real producers. It, it's a different game. You yeah. know, it's a totally different experience because he, he really, he really helped me find the songs that are in there. So, um, the next step is to try and figure out a way to pay for another one. And, uh, I want to make another album with him and um and then see what happens from there man oh that's awesome well i know that uh as with any great guest we just scratched the surface so uh i want to thank you for, <laughs> yeah. i want to thank you for your time carlos and uh i think that you uh you're reminding me of something that's tremendously important which is one's ability to to accept the things that we that we have to work with and do the best yeah. with what we have and for the way that you've gone about parenting, which I think is something that, again, I wish I could talk to you about hours because I have so many questions and, you know, relationship things that I'd like to talk to you about. So mm -hmm. maybe down the road, we, right. we could talk more about the, the album and more about that, that aspect of your life. But I really, uh, I can't thank you enough for being this inspiring human being that's out there doing his thing and making oh, things happen you. no matter what. I really appreciate it. I, pr I appreciate you giving me the, uh, giving me your time as well, man. All right. Well, I will be in touch real soon on the internet. Uh, just keep an eye out on that email. And uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. I can't wait to check out the album. I hope to chat with That's you right. real soon. Read my book, buy my album. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you, man. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. Gotcha.